0: Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the Science Fiction Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. And I'm Matt. Each month on Spectology, we pick a book, read it, and talk about it. Uh, Usually a science fiction book, although for the month of October here, we're starting our new book, which is Spooky. We're doing horror for the first time. Well, you know, some... Sometimes science fiction can be horrifying. It's true. It's true. Sometimes the present can be horrifying, as we were talking about. Oh. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So this month we are reading The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor LaVal. The Ballad of Black Tom is a cosmic horror kind of in the Lovecraftian vein. It is explicitly a retelling of an H.P. Lovecraft short story called The Horror at Red Hook, which is his most horrifyingly racist short story um that's that's i mean it's definitely one of the more racist ones but is it the, the most, most ex- racist it's one? the most like explicitly and like a, it's about his xenophobia um, i i
1: honestly don't know about that <laughs>
0: okay okay um but anyway um victor laval is a horror and fantasy and kind of like i think like dark fantasy and dark kind of like adult fairy tale author Um, himself who wrote this sort of like retelling of this book through the eyes of the, you know, the Antagonist, sort of, of the of the original short story, um, is now our protagonist, and we're seeing seeing the the what happens through his eyes. So, it's cool. It's really well written. It's really it's a really good book. Um, and we wanted to I don't know, read it and talk about it, and also get to talk about horror and other stuff. This is our first like kind of non specifically like super science fictiony book. So it should be should be fun. Well,
1: I mean, I think that's up for grabs. For sure. I mean no, <laughs> okay, so you really, disagree like, with
0: everything. No,
1: no, but like I think you know. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about genre right. yes. on this pod, yes. and we're going to, you know, talk about how this book might or might not fit into uh, preconceived ideas. Yeah,
0: I think it. I think it is fair to say that it is uh, different, very different stylistically from the other, more like explicitly like science fiction style of books that we've been reading. Um, I, I I would like to talk about a genre. I
1: think it's going to be a fun discussion.
0: It is. I do. I, I agree. I am being very facty at the beginning because it's easier when doing the intro. When like obviously the way I actually feel about this is a lot more nuanced, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about how we both feel about the stuff and our like relationship to these genres, science fiction, horror, what these things mean to us, cosmic horror, weird horror. Um, so I agree with your feelings. Do we maybe want to talk about about some book facts? Book Matt? facts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so like i said the book is the ballad of black tom uh it was published in february 2016 by tor.com so the the tors kind of online ebook novella imprint it isn't it is a novella it's about 160 or 170 pages they do so many good
1: so many good books tor.com is really
0: awesome they've done so much stuff i think
1: binti was originally tor.com i believe that sounds
0: right. Yeah, they do a lot of really cool like novellas and they're 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 in the science fiction community, I think, um like making the novella happen again, which is exciting because I I like the format. I think it's a it's a pretty cool format. And you get cool books like that like The Ballad of Black Tom I don't think would make sense as a novel, but it's like way more meaty than just like kind of your typical short story. So it's a good middle ground and um, Yeah, it'll be interesting. I hope I hope it's like long enough for us I think we'll have enough to talk about I think we will I mean, there's just so much
1: to talk about I actually Yeah, I I there was a lot of research that I sort of wanted to do and didn't do and so we're not going to talk about t- This time that we that I still could do or that we we still could do I think there's a lot there and I I love the, this format um, because you know, uh, or maybe part of it is tour.com has great editing and great, Mm -hmm. you know, they pick some great authors to work with, but I feel like there's just been so much experimentation and so many different cool kinds of mixes of different genres. And I've read some of the stuff that they're going to be publishing in the coming you know months and
0: years. And it looks really cool. So nice (laughs) you and your, your ends in the sci-fi community. No, I mean, you know,
1: (laughs) it's, you know, some of it's, public googleable. Stuff.
0: Oh, oh, you mean you've like read not the novels and novellas Coming. themselves, but like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. titles yeah. and okay, Coming that makes it that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. I thought you were, you know, like, oh, I've gotten the Arcs NBD. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I have seen a, a couple of arcs. That's right, true, right? <laughs> um, so it is um, The Ballad of Black Tom is, you know, it is an HP Lovecraft kind of retelling, so it is set in the 1920s in New York uh it is cosmic horror largely construed so we'll talk about genre more when we get to that um it is yeah it's about a lot of things we kind of uh, you know i it's it's hard to sum up with a single sort of like one sentence non-spoilery summary but it's about um a young black man living in Harlem Uh, Kind of trying to he's a little bit of a hustler. He has a lot of like side gigs. And one of the things that he's doing kind of pulls him into this like magical underworld in New York City. And, you know, things go more or less well for him as he does that. So it's it's a it's a cool look at, at his experiences through there. Um,
1: this would be a good time maybe to mention some of the
0: the content content warning. warning Yeah, I was just going to say that I think the content warning for this book is more serious than for some of the other books. There's one in particular really shocking element of like racist police violence. And then there's also just like a lot of low key racism, you know, language actions, kind of all, 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 all of the above. Um, but I think too, in particular, if, um, the like police violence and police brutality is like very real and on, on screen and on display. And so that's something that, uh, yeah, you should know going into it, I think. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then it, I guess it's also worth saying, uh, Victor Laval is himself black. So it's not like a white dude writing about this stuff. Um, it, it is him. He grew up in New York city writing about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess this is the kind of the right point to, to point that out too. Um, the book won a shit ton of awards, Um, it won the, or at least was nominated for a shit ton of awards and what a few, it won the Shirley Jackson award. It was NPR's best or one of NPR's best books of 2016. It won the British fantasy award. This is horror award for novella of the year. And it was a finalist for the Hugo Nebula, Locus world fantasy and Bram Stoker award. So it was just like pretty much anything, science fiction, fantasy or horror related. It at least got nominated for the novella. Award yeah, um, and it's good. I mean, it's like this is it's a really good book <laughs> So it's not yeah, surprising. I, I haven't read yeah, I haven't even started it yet So
1: coming at it knowing very little about it um, I was struck that the author seems to be this incredibly almost like credentialed dude mm-hmm. who a lot you know, lived in New York a long time born and raised in Queens professor at Columbia mm-hmm. University, so this very Smart guy. I listened to an interview with him on NPR that Adrian pointed me at. He's very smart, interesting guy. And I'm really looking forward to him doing a take on H.P. Lovecraft because H.P. Lovecraft is this, you know, incredibly... Huge cast a huge shadow over the horror genre in English. Yeah, and has been enormously influential in so many different ways But is so problematic at the same time and right and we'll, we'll have kind very of complicated
0: relationships Yeah, we'll talk about those complicated relationships that like we we personally have um as well uh, just to finish out the book facts here it is um standalone. Like I said, it's based on the short story, The Horror at Red Hook, if you want to read that before or after you can. Honestly, it's not even even beyond just like the, the problematic elements. It's not necessarily one of Lovecraft's better stories, I don't think. So like if you want to read Lovecraft, there's better Lovecraft to read, I would say. Yeah, if you do really want to read it, it is in the public domain, so you can find it for
1: free legally on the internet. Oh, yeah, just a lot of different places. Yeah, all
0: of Lovecraft stuff, or almost all of it is. You can pretty much Google any Lovecraft short story and get, like, a bunch of clean, easy-to-read versions on the uh, like, like, Mm -hmm. like, design clean uh, versions on the internet. Um, And then, um, Yeah. And so uh, but other than that, it is it is all standalone. It's a novella. It's pretty short. Um, I think it's like four bucks on Amazon. And it's totally worth it. You know, if you haven't heard of Victor Laval before, if you haven't heard of this book before whatever, I would highly recommend picking it up and reading it because it's good. Um, is good on a lot of different things, from the themes to the actual storytelling and prose and, and all of it. And um, oh, a little bit about Victor Laval. Like we mentioned, he's a- American and born and raised in Queens. His mom is a Ugandan, I think, um, immigrant, which is which is interesting. Um, he was born in Queens in the '70s. He's now a professor at Columbia University, and um, his wife is also a writer. Um, they live in in like uptown manhattan and uh she's written a really cool book um she's biracial and she's written a really cool book uh called searching for zion that is about the like larger african diaspora like around the world and the different like religions that they follow and the different like ways that they conceive of home whether that's africa whether that's elsewhere it looks really fascinating yeah yeah it stemmed out of she was um in israel and met a bunch of black jews living in israel and was like this is fascinating how do these people think about home how do you know where does all of this come from especially with hers like biracial half white half black kind of like how do i think about home how do i think about where i'm from so i actually didn't know any of this till i was looking this up and i was like i want to read that book that sounds really cool
1: yeah i also noticed that victor laval has a whole bunch of really cool looking content that i haven't interacted with but you know in terms of Essays and interviews and uh, various types of short writing, discussing literary figures and uh, current events that you can find easily around the Internet. We'll link some of that. Yeah. And he's written uh, both. You
0: know, I think his novels are mostly kind of fantasy genre type stuff, but he's written also a lot of literary fiction, um, short fiction, uh, particularly stuff about growing up in New York City um, which, which all sounds pretty interesting. Um, I'm super looking forward to reading his
1: essay. He has an essay about the, uh, Japanese, uh, Nobel laureate, um, Owe Kenzaburo, who, uh, is a really cool author who's, uh, no longer alive, but very important Japanese author of the 20th century. And I, I had no idea until, you know, very recently Victor Lavelle wrote about it. That sounds really interesting. So, mm.
0: So the other books that he's written, I think that people might know are called Big Machine and The Changeling was his most recent book. And, um, you know, I've heard that referred to as like a fairy tale, but like a fairy tale for adults, kind of like the more original style fairy tale than the, the nicer ones that we think of now. Um, so my experience with this book actually came in um, 2016. I set out on a project to read... Um, to have all of my fiction reading be non white dudes was like my goal. <laughs> um, cause I've read a lot of fiction by white dudes, especially in science fiction. It's like, Oh, I want to try like a bunch of different stuff that I otherwise wouldn't. And, um, now I don't know if you know this, so I'm going to surprise you with a fact here, but, um, Oh my God, our friend oh. Tristan recommended this to me. Hey, yeah. Cool. Um, and so, That's cool. you know, I asked some folks like, Hey, what are some good books? Kind of, you know. That I haven't heard of because I'd like to read them. And and a friend of ours, Tristan, Adrian recommended it to <laughs> Adrian. I don't know factor. if it's an Adrian factor or a Tristan Right, factor That's a both, good question. But, um <laughs> but yeah, she recommended it. And I I really loved it. I thought it was great. Um, you know, I read it while on vacation at some points. I read it. It's it's a kind of a, you know, I think it's like a one or two afternoon read. It's a pretty quick read. Um yeah, and uh so that's kind of my background with the book. And then I guess also this is maybe a good, you know. I guess why we chose it. So that's part of it. And we also thought, October, let's let's try something a little bit different from what we've done before. Um, as well as something short, because I have like a ton of work that I'm doing right now. So short book, good book. <laughs> likewise. Like <likewise. laughs> It's uh, one of the busy. horrifying <laughs> things about the Halloween season <laughs> is how busy we are. For real. Um talk about cosmic horror. <laughs> yeah, talk about mortality uh, staring you in the face in adulthood anyway. Um, yeah. So should we, do we want to, do we want to kind of move on and talk about Or so actually Matt, I'm curious, what was your, mm-hmm. as, so as a kid, I read a bunch of Lovecraft. What was your experience of Lovecraft? Like when did you first experience him? Were you a fan? Oh, yeah, like probably, yeah. Like I'm curious, it's probably pretty similar to you. Okay.
1: Yeah. It was probably pretty similar to you when I was young. Um, I read a lot of fantasy and science fiction very randomly you know Mm. i didn't have any kind of theory of what i wanted to read or why i wanted to read it i just picked up whatever i saw that looked cool at some point i saw lovecraft probably pretty early and um i read like one story you know when i was in elementary school or something like that and liked it enough that the next time i saw him i was like oh i like that guy and then i read more and so on Mm -hmm. I think the first one I read might have been The Rats in the Walls. Oh, cuz I I think that yeah, I think that might have been the first one I read and um <laughs> at the time, I, you know, when I first read him, I had uh basically no I had no context at all for the book, for the stories. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't understand sort of that they were important or not important or influential or not influential. I didn't I didn't know that other people had ever heard of this guy. Um I didn't know I did not detect any racism. I remember that distinctly. Right. I remember not at all thinking about that. I remember maybe the one interesting thing is that I remember sort of associating him with Edgar Allan Poe, which is actually something a yeah. lot of people do. Cause I also read Poe stories when I was little and they seemed sort of similar and you mm-hmm. know, that's not an
0: accident. Um, <laughs> right. Lovecraft liked Poe a lot. So yeah. What about you? Yeah, really similar. Actually, um, you know, I, I have a person in the story, my friend Nate, who also recommended, uh, Romy Futch to me originally. So, you know, shout out to Nate. We've talked about him a little bit. Um, but he, uh, he was really into horror a lot more than I was. And so he introduced HP Lovecraft to me. I, I distinctly remember that. And I remember getting really into it. I think I had a couple of different, um, uh, uh, like short story collection. So that's how I, 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 you know, didn't just like read one randomly. I actually got a short story collection and read through a bunch of his short stories. I think that one, I think the first story I actually read is still my favorite of his, which is at the mountains of madness. Um, and I think that's one of his stories that actually holds up best as well as, has, you know, been turned into like movies and, and other short stories. I mean, the thing is partially based on it. Um, John Carpenter's the thing that kind of deal. So, um, Pretty good movie. Yeah, I guess I don't. know. I've never seen it actually. Um, we can talk about that. Either. I haven't seen it in a while, and I actually I,
1: I hesitate now whenever I think of something older <laughs> that I liked at the time. I always hesitate now because I really cannot trust that it holds up at all. Right. So you know, provisional recommendation. Yeah, for that. people. Uh, I know people <laughs> still
0: love that movie. Um, like I guess I've never read it, um, or seen it. But uh, but yeah. So I read a bunch of his stuff. I remember actually very distinctly at one point, Nate and I went on a camping trip where we, we, uh, you know, Oh, that's, oh, I, yes, (laughs) we, we hiked about, um, yeah. I think it was like a 10 or 10 hour hike or so up to this, um, like a, we made base camp and we stayed near this mountain or like in this Valley for three days. And then like, you know, peaked one of the mountains on the Valley and, you know, like hung out there were like bears around. So I had to like climb a tree and put all of our food up at the top of a tree. And that kind this of is thing. An this Alaska is a, yeah, this is in Alaska as a, as a child, I grew up in Alaska. Um, but I also remember distinctly that like that was the only books I'd brought with me was like an H.P. Lovecraft short story collection. Correct. So that was <laughs> reading, reading all of that. I think the rats in the walls might have been in that collection because I have a distinct memory yeah. of that story and being out in the woods. Um, um, that's a great story for, you know, reading in a situation where
1: you are like around a campfire a situation that highlights <laughs> yeah. the, the creepiness. Yeah. Yeah. That's also a story that I've read, you know, turning out all the lights on Halloween Oh, good. In yeah. The wilderness. I, you know, I've, I've done that in a Halloween setting right. too. And it's, yeah. and you know,
0: I think it's something compelling about Lovecraft's fiction is these, um, he, he, there's a couple of things that I think are particularly compelling for actually Victor Laval mentions this in his fresh air interview, which I will link to in the show notes. It's a really cool interview and we're going to refer, refer to it several times, but he refers to how like something about HP Lovecraft really appeals to like, the smart kid, especially the smart kid who knows that he's smart, right? And like all this stuff about like eldritch horrors and like if the intelligent people knew like, you know, just how, how, how much would it screw them up? um really kind of has right because it's about the power of knowledge right exactly exactly and having secret information that other people don't know and getting to feel superior because of that um you know and like some element of that is the xenophobia but i think it's also uh you know victor laval mentions explicitly like reading it as like a black kid growing up and not also not seeing the racism because you see it as this sort of sense of like oh like like a superiority that you can relate to without necessarily relating to the racist parts of it. And then as you get older, I think the racist parts become a lot more obvious what's going on there. Oh man. I reread horror at Red Hook before this Same. and it is it is
1: so insanely racist. Right. It's so insane that I didn't notice this before. Right. I no idea. Like how do I mean, we it, not? it really it's an edu- it's very educational. It's I think it's really educational to revisit things like this and to, to see the the gap. Yes. You know, between what you thought then and what you think now. I think that was a really it was really eye opening, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, even if 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 you feel comfortable with with reading this story, um I think it, or maybe especially if you've read it before, but it's been a while, it might be a really interesting experience to go read it again. It's very short. So, Mm. or even just read the first few paragraphs. That's all it will take. Right.
0: (laughs) And I think we're going to, we're going to spoil the horror at Red Hook here. It's sort of like it was published in the 20s. So I don't think, (laughs) I think spoiler, spoiler statute of limitations is done on that. Um, But it's, it's for me rereading it was, there was so much that at the time I was like, because one of the things that Lovecraft does is he writes about other races in the same way that he writes about his like eldritch abominations. And so because yeah, it's very the close same kind yeah. of language, it's it's I think, especially as a kid, it's easy to not think about it in terms of what he's thinking about it in terms of. Right. He's clearly talking about like the, you know, like the Asiatic races and these other, you know, like horrific terms. But it's also easy i think to just be like oh well this is you know it's not about race it's about like what they're doing it's about the fact that they like have tapped into this this magic and you know kind of like not realizing you know well, why is their magic scary but the like celtic magic isn't you know there's (laughs) there's something to be interrogated there
1: yeah and there's also a very close connection there between um this sort of uh pseudo scientific post darwinism and Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the, uh, intellectual reactions to immigration that were happening, the sort of conservative reactionary intellectual reactions to, to immigration that were happening when Lovecraft was alive, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because the
0: book, the yeah. the short story, it, it takes place in Red Hook, which is a is on the waterfront here in New York City, and particularly in the Brooklyn borough of New York City. Uh, and it really is. It, and it was it's much less so now that New York is less of a port city. But at the time was like one of the main places that like ships would dock to let off their goods. Um, and so it's also tended to be a very like poor immigrant neighborhood. And a lot of people would kind of like start out their journey in America there.
1: <laughs> so the, the kind of thing uh, that, that we're talking about here is in the horror at Red Hook, uh, love, I mean, there's so many of the sentences are racist. You could sort of take your pick, but there's one that, that I've chosen, uh, <laughs> among the cornucopia that says sci- that basically he, he's talking about how science supports his position that quote modern people under even modern people under lawless conditions regress right and <laughs> quote and so you know he's he's describing this neighborhood of red hook and all of the different uh ethnic groups and languages and uh cultures mixing together and uh he he there's something that, you know inextricably linked between that mixing right. and lawlessness and evolutionary regression right in his mind to Lovecraft those things those things just all go together
0: right <laughs> and you know before we started recording you were mentioning that the ways in which it 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 relates to like what's going on in America right now and in fact even like there's something very modern seeming about the way that he's talking about it. It feels like something that like Jordan Peterson would write or Stephen Miller would write in a speech for the president, right? Like it it has this feeling of like, you know, all of these like still current fears about like people who are not like us coming here and changing, you know, changing who we are and what we do and what happens in America. Um, And it's it's very like America centric too. Oh yeah. Lovecraft never really traveled anywhere in his life. Mm. Very few places.
1: Anyway, I right. spent most of his time, um, Rhode Island, in Providence, Rhode Island, where he grew up and he corresponded extensively with other people, but he had almost no personal interaction with any of the stuff that he wrote about. I mean, he wrote these mm-hmm. stories about traveling to all these exotic places, uh, faraway places. Um, e- even, you know, uh, nearby places, but he, he didn't really know what he was talking about in any of these. Like, he he hadn't ever been to
0: Red Hook, I don't think. No. I'm not 100% on
1: that, but I'm pretty sure he never went to
0: Red Hook in his I life. I do know that he'd been to New York City and, like, traveled around the eastern seaboard, so, so it's possible. And it's interesting in the book, or in the short story, not the book, uh, his, like, writing about New York City, it's really, it's always fascinating because I live in New York City to read stuff written about New York City and to hear... Yeah, you know, just the way that he talks about it being this like stuff that I love about the city, but for him is like horror is literal genre horror. Yeah. Like, I mean, his description
1: of Red Hook is, is like, is part of the horror of the story mm-hmm. and his description of Red Hook, you know, as it appears, you know, in his imagination or he may well, maybe, maybe he did go there. I don't know. But his description of it is itself part of it. It's it sort of has the role it it has the function
0: that descriptions of like horrible evil beasts have it should it's meant to scare you the 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 description of like all of these immigrants living mass together is meant to scare you terrify you
1: right quote unquote normal you know non-magical non-eldritch daily middle of the day you know
0: business like weekday right essentially like like working-class immigrants working and right. living oh, together a is whole, scary another
1: another thing that's that's important here is that poverty is scary to him yes it's not just that it's this immigrant melting pot it's that it's poor and ugly and dirty all that stuff is scary to him mm-hmm. he you know he associates very he has he he has this very clear very, uh, old-fashioned sort of um you know the external mirrors the internal kind of view of morality and human nature. When he describes the quote unquote hero of the horrid red hook, he describes him as a hale and hearty, robust, you know, white specimen, mm-hmm. basically. And it's shocking that a, a that a, healthy-looking man like that would be afraid, you know, as he is afraid in the story because he's seen these horrible things
0: Yep. Yeah, he (laughs) has like a pts flashback right at the beginning of the story and everyone's shocked by the fact that like Oh a robust white man can be afraid of something (laughs) right. Meanwhile, the the swarthy immigrants are
1: crooked and hunchbacked and or pockmarked or corpulent or Mm -hmm. all these different you know and the And it's very creepy when the sort of villain, so does, you know, in as much as there's one villainous, central villainous figure, the villain character, it's very creepy when he goes from this corpulent, white-haired old man, he sort of, by virtue of this evil magic, he kind of transforms into a more healthy-looking, younger-looking guy. And that's super creepy because, oh my
0: gosh, there's this, you know, something evil looking good? Ah, how could it be? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And it it should be worth, you know, mentioning that we we're, we're talking very explicitly about the like words and everything that Lovecraft uses and doing so partially in order to like analyze exactly what is going on with the story it's it's not as simple as he's you know and this is often the case with racism is it's not as simple as he is you know saying explicitly like oh immigrants are bad or or X person is bad or Y person is bad or always bad. It's that like it's a lot of it is ideological. And this is why I use this term is that a lot of it is like the types of descriptions he uses for some people are very different than the types of descriptions he uses for other people. And like looking at the patterns of like where that is and why that is shows this very clear pattern of like immigrants especially non-white immigrants are terrifying and poor and like you know contain like have bad primitive magic yeah and he calls out specific ethnicities as being
1: particularly bad all the time mm-hmm. anyone who has middle eastern syrian arabic ancestry is particularly bad he actually calls out the yazidi ethnic group which is fascinating in light of recent events with the yazidis being targeted by isis and all of that stuff i was blown away by that because i did not remember that from having read it as a kid um and and uh anyone who has um east asian ancestry or uh central asian ancestry is also particularly bad anyone who has um uh native american ancestry is particularly bad not so much in this story but in other stories he calls that out he's very specific and precise mm-hmm. about what he thinks is good and what he thinks is bad mm-hmm. he calls out you know he 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 mentions even 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 mentions specific political things from the real world, like the Chinese Exclusion Act, he doesn't mention it by name, but he refers to a law that keeps out Chinese immigrants. Right. And it could only have been
0: that in America at that right. time. And he's being very approving. I mean, he was like, you know, rightfully yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's very so, um, it is, it is interesting though. I mean, you know, like we said, this is all stuff that like you and I read this as a child and missed all of it. Victor Laval mm-hmm. read it as a child and missed all of it, as he, he mentioned. And then as a teenager, he read it again and started noticing it. Um, I was probably an adult before I really figured it out because I'm privileged and, and sheltered from a lot of this kind of stuff. But I think mm-hmm. that, you know, it's interesting to think about the ways in which like, And and again, I also think this is like a less successful story in a lot of ways of H.P. Lovecraft, but also interesting to think about the ways in which his ideology kind of like underlies a lot of what he wrote about. Um, But he also changed as a person over time. And he was also a compelling writer in certain ways. Um, I mean, there's a reason that I read so much of him and still ultimately like, like a lot of his stories.
1: Yeah. H.P. Lovecraft is such a fascinating figure because there is something so compelling about his writing, despite how horrible
0: it is. I mean, Mm. so I I think think it's interesting that, you know, someone like Laval would come along and want to, I guess, reclaim it is the word, right? Like, come along and be like, you know, to write The Ballad of Black Tom, he does that partially because he likes Lovecraft so much and because it is an influence on his own writing. And he's very explicit about this in this interview that we'll link to. Um, And that, you know, there is something like compelling about this and other stories, Um, you know, obviously a lot bad about it, too. And so I think that there's a kind of interesting thing here of like, you know, I would say there are kind of other um, authors that we mentioned kind of like more modern authors who do maybe some similar stuff. I think particularly China Mieville and Jeff Vandermeer, um, there's, they don't focus on the race aspect. I know Jeff in particular has talked about, um, the way he thinks of like the, the so if Lovecraft is kind of this like old weird genre where it's a lot of like fear of the unknown, uh, what Jeff Vandermeer tries to do is write new weird fiction that is about the like reveling in the unknown, where the unknown is actually viewed as like something like interesting and beautiful and, you know, maybe still scary, but, but also like it's not a negative thing inherently. Um, whereas, you know, Lovecraft... You know, what's interesting is that he is writing about the unknown. He's writing about the unknown as if it is inherently terrifying and scary. and there's, you know, there is something scary about the unknown. I mean, he's tapping into emotions that make sense that I have, <laughs> you know, that I think people have, which is like you're confronted with something you don't understand, especially as someone who, Is maybe rather intelligent and rather autodidactic like he was like a lot of the kind of like smart kids who enjoy Lovecraft are and getting, you know, presented with something that you just can't understand is like the worst kind of scary in a lot of ways. I think one of the things that happens. So, yeah, there's for sure. There's a
1: huge number of people who don't like Lovecraft's ideology, but like his work in, for some other reason and thus want to kind of reclaim it from his ideology. That's a, and you, you know, we, we're going to talk more about the modern, you know, reactions to Lovecraft, but I think a big reason, well, I think we are just talking
0: about it now. Like, I think we can talk about it. Now. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, but I mean, uh, just a big reason why is because, you know, he, he is very specific about what he is afraid of in some, in some ways, but in general, his, his his stories rely on a fear of the unknown, as you say. And everybody has a different unknown. People have different boundaries of what they know and don't know about. And so when, as a, as a child especially, you come at some of this stuff and you read it, you, your mind will naturally go towards what you don't know. You know? Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I... The stuff that fascinated me the most about it was when he would talk about history and he would talk about he would link the unknown to stuff that was really, really old. And that was so interesting to me. I've always been really interested in history and I like learning mm-hmm. about things that are old. And, and the idea that, well, there's obviously a lot of knowledge that's been lost over time, not necessarily lost in the sense of, oh, there's like a lost civilization that has super advanced technology, something like that, but literally just facts about the world that people used to know, people no longer know so-and-so's name, so-and-so who was married to so-and-so, you know, Mm -hmm. what happened on this date. This type of fact has been lost. There's a lot of lost knowledge. And, you know, it's fascinating to think about and to think about what we don't know and what might be there. Right. So that's what I would think about a lot as a kid and somebody else, you know, if they were, they, they might gravitate towards another type of unknown knowledge, you know, what What about you?
0: Yeah. For me, it was, you know, like I said, growing up in Alaska, on like literally the edge of the wilderness, like the town I grew up in was known as like mm-hmm. the, you know, the end of the road because the, you know, American road system ends there and then it doesn't go on any further. And it's, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that was, you know, I mean, for instance, camping, out in the wilderness where there are bears, you, we saw like 20 bears. We would hear them rustling around camp as we were camping there. You know, it's this, it's very much like we're in their territory now. And we are in this like unknown kind of like scary place, um, is, is, Reading Lovecraft, especially like I think that's part of why the Mountains of Madness I liked a lot because it was also about like going out into the wilderness and not knowing what you're going to find there and finding something that is more powerful than you. Right. Like ultimately, the bears are more powerful than you. <laughs> like moose are more powerful than you. Ultimately, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff in the Alaskan wilderness is more powerful than you. And you do you should be afraid of it. Like afraid, uh, fear mm-hmm. is healthy in that case. Um, and so that kind of yeah, that experience always, it spoke to me. It was something that, you know, I dealt with not just going on three or four day camping trips, but also, you know, I, the house we were in was really far from civilization. And if you went outside at night, sometimes you'd run into wild animals and you needed to be afraid of them and, and, you know, respectful of them. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, the
1: way that people of our of our time and place interact with H.P. Lovecraft and his work is a great metaphor for how we interact with all the old stuff that for one ideological reason or another may seem out of date or wrong Um, there's a lot of this you know going on in relation to a lot of different older authors or older pieces of art Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's Wagner or even Plato or you know Someone of any era, of any time and place, could conceivably have a serious ideological disagreement with someone of today. And yet we may find them still compelling. I mean, there's a reason they've survived this long mm-hmm. They're, compelling for more than one reason. They're not just compelling for
0: the ideology we disagree with now. There might be some other reason. Certainly in the case of Lovecraft, there are. And I think that, you know, but it's also worth thinking about how those things are tied together, right? Like Lovecraft's ideology is there in every one of his stories and is, you know, worth being conscious about too, right? I don't think you can purely like pull him as a man away from like the stuff that he wrote because it was informed by who he as a man was. Yeah. And it's worth like knowing that and going into it because I think there's a lot to be taken from these stories, but you also have to like know what to leave behind at the same time.
1: Yeah. 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 But just to finish my thought here, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of this type of work that we need to do. There's, there's no getting away from it. The, the interacting with people who are old is tough and mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of, different reasons why we might want to do it i mean for for one you know the reacting against these guys is a is a big project that can go a lot of different ways is another way to put this so Mm -hmm. you know victor laval on some level likes lovecraft and wants to react against him by reclaiming him but you might also hate him Mm -hmm. and want to react against him in some other way um and there's so many there's i I think there's a there's a lot of different legitimate ways to react against this Um, and and you know and in the same type of sort of reactive politics is going to occur when we think about uh, other folks too. Um, yeah,
0: I think, think about you know f- really yeah. quickly before you move on, uh, on that vein, particularly talking about Lovecraft, there's this um, YouTube video called something about like adapting Lovecraft in the 21st century by a YouTuber named H Bomber guy. I think I've mentioned another one of his videos at some point, but um, I'll link to that because I don't. I don't want to go too deep into all of this, but I think he he has a really specific, interesting look at adapting Lovecraft um, from a from a gay and queer perspective, and like using like a, a Lovecraft story to tell a, a queer story about coming out, which is really interesting. Um, and and really kind of this look at like different ways of using what Lovecraft tapped into to tell like very different kind of stories. Um, and and reclaim it or whatever in, in a very yeah, different I'm way. I'm for sure really interested in that. I I, uh, I have not check
1: that out and i'm really looking forward to
0: yeah um cool i think i think maybe i think the other thing that we could maybe touch on a little bit here matt i'm curious like your experience Mm of other horror genre stuff like as an adult and as a kid and like what you know like kind of like what horror do you like and sort of what horror like how do you think about horror i like
1: um i tend to like things that so as a kid i didn't read that much of it um Lovecraft and Poe were almost the exceptions Hmm. to the rule that I didn't tend to to read a lot of horror as a kid except because I like those guys I got into what you might call cosmic horror or existential horror as opposed to violent horror right um as a kid I didn't like violence that much I didn't like very explicit violence I, I was okay with it if it was sort of stylized or written in this very convoluted language the more removed you know the reader was from from the the specific awfulness of of violence the more i tended to like it and that's more or less still true as an adult um so the the kinds of horror that i have generally liked have been things that um that offer you a safe distance but that uh delve into stuff that's really out there Mm -hmm. so I, i i'm less interested generally in you know stories about true crime or serial killers or things like that i'm more interested generally in things that are you know, great beasts living in the beyond <laughs> who reach their Icarus tentacles through the veil of our reality and try to pull some of us away. You know, that yeah. stuff
0: is great. I just love it. Do you have any specific recommendations? Like, what sure. are some of your favorites?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, because of Lovecraft, I got into some of the guys that were Lovecraft's friends and some of the guys that were, and they are all guys. I mean, of that era, the ones that I read when I was younger are all men. Um, there are a lot of really great female horror writers who are, you know, Shirley Jackson is, of course, a huge one. Anna Kavan is a huge one, too. There's a lot. But, but uh, you know, when I was a kid, the ones who I read were were all men. Mm-hmm. Guys like Clark Ashton Smith, who was one of Lovecraft's best friends. So I should say there's this whole generation um, who were contemporaries of Lovecraft, who Lovecraft corresponded with. And they they would blurb each other's books and they would write in the same magazines and they corresponded a lot. And uh, a lot of these guys are really, really interesting. And a lot of them outlived Lovecraft, even when they were born before him. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, he died very young. He died at like 47, I think. And, yeah.
0: and uh, I think younger. I thought he was in his 30s. I guess not.
1: He may well, yeah. But he was very, very young. Uh, yeah, we can check, I'll check. That real quick. Yeah. Um, uh, but he was very, very young. And a lot of these guys uh, lived longer than him. So, Clark Ashton Smith is one who is. No, oh, uh, you're right. 47. You nailed it. Yeah. Um, Nailed Clark Ashton it. Smith was one <laughs> um, uh, he was one Nail. who um
0: Nailed it <laughs> Um I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, <laughs> this is what it feels like whenever you say book facts at me thirty times. Um, well, but they are book 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 facts. Nailed um, it. <laughs> um, Clark Ashton yeah. Smith, sorry.
1: Uh Arthur Machen is another. Um Lord Dunsany. Um, these are guys who, you know, nowadays they have these really lovely penguin editions of their short stories, Mm -hmm. a bunch of their short stories collected together with cool intros written by interesting people. Great cover art on those two, always. Super cool. They're also all very influential like Lovecraft and Lovecraft is almost one of the weird things about Lovecraft is almost that he's famous at all because a lot of the people who are of that era or of an earlier era who were also very, very influential, um, never became famous except to the other authors who read them and were influenced by them. And so it's strange that, that one of these sort of behind the curtains guys would become more widely known, but of course he did. Right. Now, um, one interesting thing about some of these other, the, the people that I've mentioned, they tend to write fantas, fantastical stories about, Uh, magic or mythical creatures or strange events things like this that are associated with myth with legend with um you know older kind of folkloric tropes Mm -hmm. um and then they tend to update them I'm, i'm speaking generally about a number of different authors but they tend to update update them with the language of uh the poetry of the 19th century so a lot of this stuff is written in, in this really interesting, uh, I mean, really what's going on is almost like a mix. It's, it's, it's almost like ad mixing, um, the folklore revival of the revivals of the popular folklore, folklore revivals of the 19th century with the high culture poetry of the 19th century, especially mm-hmm. in Western Europe in France and in England and in the rest of the British Isles, um. Yates was a guy who was very influential on on a lot of these guys, certainly on uh, Dunsany and uh, and Lovecraft. And uh, Clark Ashton Smith is Welsh, I believe, and uh, or no, I'm sorry, Ar- Ar- Arthur Machen is Welsh. Um, but anyway, um, they're, they're, the point the point I was making is just that they're associated with uh, the specific popular folklore re- revivals of um, these, uh, I guess, minority ethnic groups in Western Europe. So you've got this going on in the um, subaltern ethnic areas of the British Isles, Scotland, in Wales, in Ireland. You've got this going on in subaltern ethnic areas in France too uh, in Brittany, in uh, uh, southern France. So it's this really in Germany as well and in, in, uh, although it's not less of a subaltern thing necessarily except as it relates to peasant folklore and stuff but there's this really interesting way in which culture that is that was previously not identified with high class, with up the upper classes is being taken by upper class people or by people on the edge of the upper class mm-hmm. and and like crafted into a new breed of story and of art and at first this new breed of art all these horror stories they didn't have any place to go economically you know they were published only in these pulp magazines like weird tales in the case of lovecraft and clark Ashton smith um so they, they weren't making money you know lovecraft died at penniless uh, mm-hmm. He didn't have a economically successful career at all because um, people didn't know what to do with this stuff. And it was a while before they did. Um, so that's that's another aspect of this, is which is sort of interesting, is that Lovecraft was doing stuff that he loved and was committed to that nobody really cared about at the time. Right. Except for a <laughs> he handful wasn't of doing like other authors th- yeah.
0: who he was in correspondence with.
1: Right. Exactly. He was definitely not doing it for because it was a sort of popular thing. Mm-hmm. Um
0: so what, uh, what specific like wh- horror works would you recommend and have you enjoyed both in books and as well in other, Ooh. you know, that was the original question. Oh, so I'm curious.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, all these authors I've mentioned I do, do enjoy do it. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, no, these are not just Rick randos. Like, I, I have all their books, and I really like them.
0: Right. It's worth saying um, I haven't read Smith, Price. I've read Poe, obviously, Dunsany, Mockin. Like, any of oh, these yeah. guys I haven't uh, Edgar read. Edgar Price is another. Edgar Price
1: was also a friend of, friend of, uh, or, you know, a contemporary and corresponding right. with uh, Lovecraft. Um, I have not read Edgar Price, though, so I, I, I can't really talk about him that much. But these other guys, they're really, really interesting. Um, I think if you like... If you like myths and and old folktales about strange beasts taking people away, you know, anything like Brothers Grimm, if you've read any of those stories,
0: um, you know, that's what these are like, but even darker, right. You know, right. Cause I have to say my experience with horror, I think is, you know, there's like Lovecraft and then some associated like more modern authors, particularly I read a lot of Clive Barker as a kid, um, Who's, I've never read any of him. Right. He's really interesting because he is like writing horror, but he's also, he's, he's gay. And so he's writing horror, but from this kind of like perspective of before being gay was okay. And before it was as socially acceptable as it is now, let's say. Um, and so his, I don't know, his stuff is really wild. I, I've really, I really enjoyed some of that as a kid. Um, but then a lot of the other stuff I feel like I've read is either like science fiction with some more kind of maybe like scary elements to it um or frankly not reading but watching movies like i've i've enjoyed a lot of horror movies over the years and i think you know kind of i remember the first horror movie i ever watched was alien and i watched it with my uncle because uh-huh. i used to like go hang out with him and he'd show me movies that my parents wouldn't let me watch That's <laughs> like great. any good uncle That's does <laughs> um but there i mean like you know Talk about it. You know, that's a movie that is very informed by Lovecraft in a lot of different ways from the writing to the, the set design, which is H.R. Geiger did all of the design of the aliens and a lot of the sets and that kind of stuff. And he, you know, is a Lovecraft fan and 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 has read a lot of his stuff um, or had. He's, he's unfortunately passed away now. Um, and then I think, too, like in terms of like I think there's a some cool stuff going on with horror right now. There's a a twenty four is a like movie studio that's putting out a lot of like cool, kind of like socially conscious horror, maybe. I'm not quite exactly sure what to call it. It's like horror that's really like informed by stuff going on now and is like really trying to like say something thematic instead of just scare you. It's not just like boo. Um, it's it's very much trying to like tell interesting stories, and one of the ones that I've loved the most from that whole thing has been uh, the Witch, um, was mm. a was a movie recently, and that um, that in particular, I think that movie is the best on screen depiction I've ever seen of what it feels like to grow up in a like rural conservative religious context and like the fear of the unknown the fear of the woods surrounding you the fear of like you know of 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 god and of like god being scary and the devil being real and all of this like that that movie like watching it was like watching my childhood like the emotional content of my childhood (laughs) it's also great and on like a lot of other levels too um yeah. So, so when I, when I recommend this, I feel like that's kind of a lot of the stuff I actually would recommend is like checking out like a 24s back catalog of movies and seeing like what horror movies they're coming out with. Cause they're Sweet. probably good or at least interesting at very least they're interesting. I um, mean, they're doing that's more awesome. than just scaring you. What uh, could you describe Clive Barker's stuff? Cause I don't know anything about it. Uh, I haven't read him since I was like a freshman in high school. So I'm going to have a really hard time with it. It's, 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 it's like, it's Lovecraftian fantasy. So I think I think it's explicitly fantasy. A lot of it has these elements of like there's some hidden other dimension within like like right under the surface of our world that if you do the right things, you can tap into it. Um, and this stuff is like scary and horrific and like will fuck you up the more you tap into it, but also has like immense power, I, I think, is the thing mm. that often like comes across in, in all of his fiction. Hmm. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting. Again, I haven't read it for a long time, so I have a hard time recommending it because I have no idea how good it actually is. But I remember as a kid being, you know, I think, I think it's one of these things that as a kid, a lot of this kind of stuff was like, especially coming from the religious conservative background, like stuff that was talking about things that I wasn't allowed to know about. I mean, Clive Barker's is talking about mm, sexuality yeah. in this very like upfront way that, you know, I was not allowed to like watch movies or, or even, (laughs) you know, Go to sex ed because of the conservative upbringing. Um, and so, like getting it through this way of like, oh, yeah, it's both like just something that is in the world, but also something that's like secret and unknown. And, you know, it it, it resonated a lot with me kind of learning about this stuff through through that perspective. Maybe that's not the healthiest really, I, way I, to learn I, about sexuality, reading horror about it. but hey, it's you yeah. know it's what
1: it is. I find that I find that really interesting because that gives me a, a window into why a lot of people probably like horror. I actually have never understood. I have always felt like there was something I didn't understand about why people like horror stories mm-hmm. because for a long time, I only, so like I said, I only liked things that were a particular kind of, of horror as a kid. And I actually, when I was that age, I didn't call them horror in my head. I didn't think of them as horror and that was mm-hmm. part of why they were okay to like. I didn't like things that were horror. And I always wondered, I I felt like there was a disconnect you know, in my understanding there. Yeah. So it's cool to hear you explain it because that makes a lot of sense, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, Um, it's funny because I'm the same way and I've never liked slasher gory type stuff i mean yeah likewise some of the stuff that's more like some of the b horror that's actually as much comedy as it is horror is really fun to watch but again that's almost like oh, yeah. that's comedy it's like clearly like puppets and like gallons of like red food coloring and like it's it's fucking funny <laughs> as well as being scary although i have when i when i've talked to folks that were you know alive and aware
1: of some of those movies coming out or at least it depends on which movies we're talking about. Right. But, you know, there there are some movies that were, we would now consider kitschy that at the time were not. Right. Well, you know, and I think and-
0: I think the move from VHS to like DVD and Blu-ray also changes a lot of this stuff. Because what is like on a yeah. VHS tape scary and you can't really see what's going on, like on, you know, a DVD is like, oh, well, okay, I see the puppet. <laughs> 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 um I have a quick correction to make. I was
1: completely wrong. Lovecraft not only went to Red Hook, he lived in New York
0: for two years. Very near, very near Okay, I didn't know that he lived near Red Hook, but I I did know that he lived in New York City for a while. Okay. Yeah, I was very wrong. So he actually lived on Flatbush. Flatbush? That's not near Red Hook, but okay. Oh, he
1: well, so he lived there and he lived in Brooklyn Heights on Clinton Street.
0: Okay, also not really near... Red hook, but okay. like yeah, right. South Brooklyn as opposed to like North Brooklyn, Williamsburg, Greenpoint, that kind of thing, I guess. Um Okay. Well to to me it seems Right. Like, it's like anyway. four miles away, <laughs> which in New York City is, you know, okay. like a half hour of travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, it was probably closer than, more <laughs> It's a lot closer than
1: than never having lived in New York, yes. which I thought was yes. true. <laughs> he did live there. And he did go
0: to reddit Right, right. For sure. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure that, you know, some of this is is, you know, some of the the stuff he's writing about is based in experience, even if it if not experience knowledge, because he, you know, read a lot, what, you know, corresponded a lot. It's funny, well, he was a shut in and he didn't meet ever in person, a lot of the people that he corresponded with, but he was also an extrovert in the sense that like he did write a lot. You can read a lot of his letters. They've been collected and published. And he, you know, like had a number of friends and acquaintances who he, you know, wrote to frequently. Um, on the, on
1: the subject, by the way, back to the subject of, of horror that we've been interested in. Have you, uh,
0: did you mention Laird Barron? Oh, I didn't, I should have. Yeah. Yeah. Barron is also another, like, you know, kind of like, very influenced by Lovecraft. Actually blurbed the ballad of Black Tom. Um, has I've only read his short stories, but they are very good, like kind of, you know, cosmic horror type stuff. And I think we've mentioned him in another um in another of our podcasts because he was one of the character inspirations for Matthew McConaughey's character, the first season of true detective, which is also like speaking of like modern Lovecraftian type of work should, should get a shout out. Um, yeah, but he's, he's, he's an Alaskan who I think lives in Maine or something like that now and, and writes horror and cosmic horror and this, this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think so. I think that's, um, that's most of it for me. I think keep a short, tight episode. Did you want to talk about anything else?
1: Man, I, I mean, I, I do want to mention uh, that one sort of related—like, we don't have necessarily the the wherewithal to discuss it in detail now, but I do think it's worth mentioning that, you know, this story takes place in uh, in the New York of the 20s, and the main character is from Harlem. And there's a lot of cultural context, you know, relating to that that um, I would love to do a little more— Research on. I mean, I'm not an expert at all, and I'm not going to be with a little more research. But I think it's it's worth maybe quoting some experts and stuff. So I'm going to be looking out for um, for some more good info on the Harlem yeah connection that 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 cultural
0: context. yeah. Like we said, this is a shorter book. We're doing slightly shorter episodes, and and it's just the two of us. Um, you know, no no guests this month. Um, although we'll have some some guests on our like bonus episodes this month. Um, but still, uh, we will. know, what we've talked about a lot today is kind of the context of the book in terms of like horror and what it's in dialogue with. And I think as we talk about the book itself, there'll be a lot more to talk about in terms of Harlem, New York City, the Harlem Renaissance, um, race relations in America, like both now and then and how they like mirror each other. Um, And so we we're not just like completely avoiding that so much as like, let's we're going to really dig into that in the context of the book, because I think that's where it's most interesting. And I don't want to I feel mean, like the more I talk about it, I'm just going to like start fucking spoiling the book all over. <laughs> yeah, Because yeah, it's very I'm, I'm much a book about these it. things explicitly. Um, and so it's kind of a fun historical fiction book Book in that context. I would like to read it before I talk about that too. Yeah. The only other thing I would want
1: to mention is there's also, of course, the urban fantasy connection. You know, mm-hmm. urban environments mm-hmm. as a setting for speculative fiction is a, is a big topic too. There's a lot of science fiction or fantasy or some mix of the two that is related to that and uh you know we haven't really done books like that but there are a lot that exist that we might do in the future mm-hmm. or that it might be worth just mentioning that that's something to think about that's related right to this book. yeah
0: outside of like china mieville's uh Perdeo street station i don't think i've read any like urban fantasy type stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'd love to, to have you recommend something at some point for us to, to go through there.
1: Well, depending on, uh, your take on what that genre means, Max Gladstone's work. Is oh, that's often true. Coded yeah. Oh no, fantasy. that's actually,
0: that's a really good point. Um, I should read more of his book since I've only read the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I th- actually, uh. the other thing I was thinking there, and this is maybe even worth mentioning the Lovecraftian context is this book called, um, Metropole by Frank Carinthy. Uh it's a Hungarian author, so I don't really know how to pronounce his name. Um, but that's a really interesting story that is sort of like a uh, 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 magical realism, fantasy, horror-y type thing um, about a guy who accidentally gets off his flight in the wrong city and does not know what city he's in, does not know the language and has to figure out how to, like, get around and do stuff that is kind of terrifying and interesting and definitely has some, like, surrealist elements to it. Um, it's not just, like, a realist-type novel like a lot of the stuff that we read is, but it's it's cool. It's it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean I think urban fantasy just to say one really quick thing about it is like one of these, you know, genres that is very vague and kind of couldn't be anything but vague. <laughs> uh, I you know, depending on how you look at it, a lot of any pretty much anything that's sort of primarily set in an urban environment could be called that. You know, so whether it's um whether it's sort of you know, something like Nomon that that is is very 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 much about this urban environment you know there's a lot of scenes in that book that we didn't even talk about on that's true right take advantage of that environment and the features of the particular features of that environment Mm -hmm. how the environment interacts with the characters surveillance within that environment um, technology within that environment in particular all these types of issues that that are definitely related and then there's also the question of science fiction or fantasy that that you know is not not so much about the urban environment as as a topic but that just restricts itself to that environment and isn't about space or you know exploring wilderness areas or you know and so in some sense like Red Hook the story we mentioned already you know a lot of it is sort of about cities and how
0: cities are in the era that Lovecraft was living in one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book is yeah, very much about the city, and you travel through a lot of different parts of the city, um, which is cool. And I, 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 you know, living in New York, I, I'm looking forward to being able to talk about <laughs> that stuff. Oh, I can't wait.
1: It's going to be great. Cool. Oh, I wanted to one other thing you you recommended a uh, YouTube channel uh, or at least a particular video that I'm really looking forward to. I also wanted to give a shout out to the folks at Pseudopod. Um if you're interested in um new uh horror, cosmic horror stuff, um that's a podcast that uh produces original fiction or that uh reads uh fiction uh in each episode. Um and uh the people that do it also have related podcasts. Um, for other genres,
0: so definitely check that out. I'll have a link for that. Too. That's cool. That's great. I don't. I don't. I actually don't know them, so I'm looking forward to to checking some of that out. I like the the fiction podcasts. Yeah, Escape Pod is another one of those. Oh, okay. I've heard of Escape Pod before. So it's Pseudopod Escape yeah. Pod, and that's PseudoPod.org, right? That's right. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. I think that's that's it for us for today. A, a tight tight hour. Word. <laughs> um, Cool. So, uh, you know, the usual outro here. Thanks to WJ for our music. You can find him searching WJ on SoundCloud. Uh, Our artist is Noah Bradley. You can find his work at noabradley.com. We will be back, I think, next week with a bonus episode. Uh, I think actually we're going to have two bonus episodes and then do the post read on the final week of the month. Although don't quote us on that. We still have to record all of them and like work out timing with guests. So a lot of it will be working out around uh, working out timing with guests and around that and our own timing because we're both really busy this month. (laughs) It's a busy one for us. Um, And then I know at least my work gets a lot easier. So we'll be able to dig into something a little bit more meaty come November. Um, But in the meantime, I really hope people read and like this novel. I think it's really great. I I was really excited when someone recommended it to me and I wanted to recommend it to Matt and as well as like the others of you listening. Um, So I'm so excited for this because it's such a it's
1: it's such a dense, quick piece of like really appealing fun but also or at least it seems yeah, like yeah. i haven't read it yet but it seems like this really amazing way to have a dense art experience in a short amount of time you know yes it's like so short that you could just you could just read it you know and yeah so it's very it's a perfect thing for a busy fall yep
0: yep no that's exactly it and you know we'll we'll maybe we'll get dressed up for our uh for our post read oh we, we can we no. can wear costumes <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, (laughs) signing off. Have a good one, Matt. You too, dude. (laughs) Bye.